and welcome to our Tap Talks HR podcast series. Today, I'm really pleased to have Natal Dank, co-author and co-founder at PXO Culture with me. Hi, Natal. Thanks for joining us. Hi. <laughs> so, Natal, I know you are interested in the concept of Agile HR, and actually you've just finished your new book, Agile HR, colon, deliver value in a changing world of work, and obviously the colon is so important, but do you just want to start with an overview of what Agile HR is in the context of your book, so our listeners have an overview? Yes, for sure. One reason that we wrote the book was that the topic itself can be hard to conceptualise when you bring it into the world of HR. So the book is very much a practical toolkit to make it very, you know, make it real and translate it into not just HR, but the world of learning, organisational change and culture. And so I think primarily you need to kind of get your head around agile in terms of what does it mean for business overall? And up until now, a lot of people come into the topic in a very tech way. So it started in software development. So people kind of access the topic through a, a sort of tech language. And that means that it can feel a little bit strange for people. So this was uh, stripping that out, putting it into the context of business, because actually that's where business is going. And we can talk a bit about that uh, and then make it very real for what, how you can start to use it in HR. And so Agile itself is a mindset. So you hear about all these tools and techniques like Scrum and Kanban, but they are just frameworks to help bring the mindset to life. And the mindset is saying that Agile helps you solve complex problems. And of course, in today's world, a lot of business is faced with complex problems. And complex problems is when you, there's less about it that you know than you do know. And, uh, and so you need to go into the unknown and you need to basically experiment, test and gather data as you go to then be able to start to have more evidence of, of how to make decisions. And then you build up a solution over time in a more incremental or emergent way. So if you feel, if you sort of look at Agile as a way to solve complex problems, and then the mindset says, okay, what we want to do is we want to move away from this very traditional way of running projects and designing products, because it's quite risky when it's more of a complex problem. Because if you think about it, what we call waterfall is you would plan everything up front, you'd have your nice fancy Gantt chart, and then things would cascade down and all the implementation, which was pretty big, would all happen at the end. And if you think about a situation like perhaps a pandemic, that waterfall project is not going to hold for, for very long at all. And so if something is a really big project, that is quite risky. And so this is what happened. Agile was an answer of how do you be more adaptive in how you do your projects in a world of uncertainty? And so tech started this about 20 years ago because that's when the internet started. That's when consumer choice changed. And they needed to start to understand, well, what am I delivering to my customer? How does it solve the problem? And then how do I make sure I'm building the right solution? So Agile says, okay, what we need to do is we need to think more about the value we're delivering to our customer. And then we still have the same vision, but we say, well, let's put the Gantt chart into a backlog instead. And let's go, okay, what's the most important thing to start on first and why? And let's aim to deliver something of value to that customer, but perhaps in a smaller, you know, 
part first. So a minimal viable product is often what you hear or a minimal valuable product. So you aim to get a slice of value to your customer, but you do it in a much faster cycle. So you're trying to do it in a couple of weeks, in a month. And then you use the feedback of them using it. So you, you know, you've got an actual kind of slice of the product or the project to them. And then you use that feedback to drive the next piece of work. So you go back to the backlog and you go, all right, now based on that evidence, do I continue on what I was planning next? Do I reprioritize? Has it failed and I need to stop there? Do I now pivot direction? So all these terms you hear of fail fast and pivot, and that is all because you can build that into how you run the project. And so if you think about the world of HR, not everything necessarily sits in this very complex space, but things like developing leaders of the future for roles we don't know about yet, finding talent in a very competitive marketplace, you know, building, reskilling your workforce, all these things that we're facing, building a hybrid office post-pandemic. These are all really complex problems where we don't know the answer yet. Um, we're also talking about personalizing the employee experience all the time and, and enriching the employee experience. And what does that mean? How do you find out what's the problem that you're trying to solve? So agile and working in that more emergent way helps HR answer the same problems as what the business is trying to solve with it. Um, so if you think about business and why business is seeking agility, it's because they want to innovate, they want to deliver value, they need to rapidly respond to changing you know, market situations, their customers are changing their preferences, they need to bring digital tools into what they're doing. So all of these things is how Agile can help a business. And we pretty much face a lot of the same problems. We need to modernize our operations in HR. We need to deliver value and demonstrate impact on the bottom line. We need to enrich the employee experience. Uh, we also need to end our silos. We're quite siloed, quite slow in how we work. Um, and we also, you know, I talk a lot about get rid of the endless wish list in HR. So what's the most important thing to work on? How are we going to do that? And then start delivering. So that's sort of how you can think about agile and then how you connect it first to business. So I think that's really important. It's not that this is just something for HR. This is what business is embracing at the moment uh, in lots of different shapes and sizes. So there's not one way. And then what's HR in that? And so the book looks at, First of all, how do you start to apply the mindset within HR, but also what is our role in supporting business agility? Because people practices have to evolve. If you're going to support collaborative teams, then you're potentially the way you do performance and reward has to evolve. And so this is also what we look at in the book, um, those two sides. And that's what I would possibly say is that in terms of supporting business agility, there's a lot of you know, if you think about a lot of the traditional ways that we've run organizations, they're quite hierarchical, they're quite, you know, top down. And this is considered very slow when you start to work agile. So if you think about the old way of doing the project, the waterfall and the Gantt chart, you would go up and down to make decisions. And that just slows you down. And so agile says, well, you need all the skills in the team to get the job done. So you can respond directly to the customer. And that's where these, you know, self-organizing uh, 
collaborative teams concept comes from in Agile. And so that's a very different operating structure for your business if you're trying to build it more like a network of collaborative teams, which is what we're all talking about at the moment. So there's a role in HR in that. Um, not only how do we do it ourselves in our own function, but how do we start to build that across the organisation? So that's uh, that's basically Agile, Agile HR, and then why it, you know, what we're trying to touch on in the book. And that's fantastic. I mean, you, you saw me writing down loads of notes as we were talking. Um, it's, it's really interesting because you, you talk about HR and in the business. And sometimes I, I feel that maybe HR is a little bit behind the curve when it comes to this. And do you think that the historic role of HR sometimes holds HR leaders back from adopting Agile a little bit? Do you think there's a little bit of pullback there? Definitely. And we're not necessarily alone in the business for that. There's other parts that perhaps find it more challenging because of a legacy that they've had. I often talk about the when it comes to people practices, we do have a lot of sort of traditional tailorist kind of thinking almost. So the concept of that more command and control processes and structures, if you think about performance and reward, no matter what, unfortunately, it has still often been connected to getting your feedback from one manager, you know, a rating, a bonus, uh, very individual focused, often top down feedback. And I know there's, you know, we're definitely there's a huge movement around how do we make that much more agile? How do we make it more real time? How do we make it peer based? Uh, but that's, that's sort of what we're trying to break out of. And, and so, and also what's really interesting is, maybe even more so than that, is um, there's a desire in HR, I think, for us to want to have lots of, for it to be shiny and new and perfect before we release. And uh, I was talking to some L&D people recently, and that's very strong in, in that space. And and I definitely did this myself. I would I would go and look at learning needs and I would kind of feel like I've really tapped into what's the need, but then I would go and build the whole solution. I would build the full leadership program and then I would pilot, which is very different to experimenting. And I would pilot. So by the time you're piloting, you've got senior stakeholders in the room, you've, you've done the tender, there's investment, it's in people's diaries, this is going to happen. So if something fails, you're just trying to make it a bit better and tweak it. Um, you know, think about systems that we've rolled out in the HR space where it's not until people are using it do you really find out how it works for people or if it doesn't. And then you're trying to, you know, the amount of times I had conversations about it's not about the system, it's about the conversation that it supports. You know? So this concept of minimal viable product, this concept of experimentation and actually testing things on a really basic level before you build it and roll it out, that's quite a new thing for HR. And so I think, and there's a bit vulnerable there because you're, you want, you feel, oh, but I, I need it to look good or, and it's not that it doesn't look good, but it's just that you need to be ready to co-create. And that's a different way to how we've worked before. Um, but it's actually really energizing because uh, you know, I'll give you a quick, so the, the reason I embraced Agile HR is that's what I discovered is I was asked to come into this project. I didn't really know too much about Agile at the time, but I was helping an Agile business. And my sponsor challenged me. I blueprinted my solution and they said, how do you know it's going to work? You need to experiment. You need to get some data. And then based on the data, we can make some of these changes. And I invited people 
to do things like test how they would like to give each other feedback. What does it mean to do performance in different ways and how what's the connection to reward? And after three months and then particularly six months, we had so much data to make very significant changes. But once you're bringing those changes in, people were already in it. They were changing with you. They had already told you what didn't work and what did. And if you listened to them and you're, you know, really transparent, they, you built the change with them. And that is just magical. That's just the best way to work. So it's almost like the, the first time you experiment, it's almost like you, you've got a fear that there's no buy-in kind of thing. But if people, you do experiments, people are involved, they're success, then actually it's like a rolling stone. You're going to have more chance of buy-in the next time you definitely, experiment. Definitely, definitely. And so I often talk about that it's about um, working with people rather than implementing change onto people. And if you think about how we've even talked over the years, you know, implementation, change management, uh, you know, we've got to manage people through the change. It's very kind of top down, isn't it? Or, you know, we will take you through it. And ultimately, uh, that doesn't really create the buy-in, but also it doesn't get you the best solution because how do you know that that is going to work? Uh, how do you know? And, and it's just, we have a great experience in HR and I'm not taking any of that away. And you bring a lot of value to the business based on your knowledge, but you still need to test something. You need to know that it's going to work. And if we're doing this in business now, uh, you know, and that's what we're seeing, <laughs> Com companies doing this very well and making a lot of money from it. They're testing, they're validating, and then they're quickly moving through to releasing it to the customer and it works. So this is taking the same mindset into HR. Does it work for your people? Are they going to use it and engage with it? That is what actually means it's perfect. Now let's start to release it out. Um, so, yeah. And, and I think I know the answer to this next question, <laughs> uh, just from the, the energy that's pouring through my laptop screen at the moment. But actually, so, so what led you to write the book about Agile HR? So, first of all, lots of people would ask uh, us around, uh, what can I read? And I was always giving them some blogs or some videos that we've done or, you know, there's a few articles here and there. So there was just... Um, a need uh, to help people with some good references. Also, I had done this for a number of years by this stage, and so I had some great case studies and learning that I wanted to be able to share with people because I think my key message is, is there's no one way of doing Agile HR and you need to find your own approach. I call it your own flavour that make, you know, goes with your calm culture, your company size, your industry, and just what you're trying to do in HR or, uh, you know, culture and change. And so the only way to learn is through case studies, and that's why I had actually started um, meetups a number of years before that to bring to people together and share case studies. And so this was kind of trying to bring all that together. Um, but the other thing is that I'm very passionate, as you can hear, for, about my profession and what we're trying to do. And I, I, uh, I wanted to help my profession transform for the future of work. I kept going to conferences where we all talked about this, but we didn't seem to have any tools to help us. And so I feel that agile ways of working can give that to HR. It actually gives us tools that the business is already using. So it's not like it's just for us. And 
And then there's this thing where we've constantly talked about we want a seat at the table, but you need to be able to back that up with data and you need to be able to demonstrate value on the business bottom line, not just to the engagement survey. And Agile helps us do that because you, you get very tangible and you have to articulate what you're delivering and how does that you know, demonstrate the value. And so I think it can really help our profession. Um, it also, you know, this is just where business is going. So what does it mean to build, you know, a networked structure of collaborative teams? That is a very different way of working. It's a very different operating model or several different operating models. And we need to know how to help that and be part of that. Um, and I, I actually am the first person to say that our profession may really evolve and it won't necessarily be a HR function as we know it today in the future. Um, but that's exciting in itself, isn't it? So, um, so yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. And, and there are so many different strands we could go off on just, just mm. from that bit about why to, to do the book. And it's, but I, I mean, this is a great year. I mean, for listeners who are going through the back catalogue, this is 2020 and it's the back end of it. And we've had the wondrous pandemic, which might go down as pandemic the first. You never know, depending on what happens in subsequent years. But at this moment, there's you mentioned about complexity when you when you started today and actually today is a very and this year is a very interesting year so what do you think has been the effect of the pandemic on things like hr and agile hr so the pandemic uh has enforced a uh a need to work agile so what's been really interesting is that uh, look, when I first started uh, to talk about Agile HR a number of years ago, people didn't know what I was talking about and they thought I was talking about flexible working, so like hot desking. And to be honest, the CIPD actually, I think, cause, uh, you know, that kind of work, Agile work. And so there's always been that kind of interesting space, particularly in this country, around what is the, what's the topic. But what was what's been interesting and particularly any teams that i knew that were already using some agile tools and techniques the way they were able to respond to to the pandemic was was truly amazing and they had the tools at the ready to go yep yeah, all right this values you know redesigning values project that i'm working on right at this moment it's not the best thing to do for my business because actually i've got to get a hotline up and running within a number of days to make sure my people are safe and i've got to then get a bunch of data to the management team so they can make decisions on who needs extra support who doesn't how do we make sure we're running the business in a digital world and so um and then you had some businesses where whole parts of the business had to fully shut down, be furloughed. You know, unfortunately, it's also equaled whole businesses shutting, which is, you know, really quite um, extreme. And then other parts of the business or certain businesses booming, you know, um, like what we're using today, a Zoom or something, where suddenly you are the product that is needed. And so I think HR also needed to play a role in how do you help your business quickly change direction, reprioritize, understand the value. Um, and there's something happening at the moment. They keep talking about all eyes on HR. And it's because the well-being and safety of our people is just as important as getting the job done. And there's more recognition around that now. And actually to engage people in a digital way and get work done is it's all about well-being, isn't it? And it's about connection and it's, okay, how do you do this effectively? And so 
And what I saw is that any team where they were already using transparent ways of working, particularly when there was already this trust element, so you, this psychological safety of I, I know my team can get on and do it and they can self-organise and we've got some tools to know what we're working on and how to prioritise. I just saw those companies and particularly HR teams that were doing that just, yeah, smash it out of the park, as we would say <laughs> in Australia. <laughs> 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 and, and, and that's great because I think I've seen I've seen bits about that as well. But it's, it's good because you, you almost seem like you have a language to talk about it, like you talk about self-organizing teams, whereas other people might say they have they're delegating more responsibility. I think that is what Agile is giving us is almost like the, the, the verbiage to be able to start talking about the new style of HR that we might need. Yeah, it's true. I would say one word of warning about the language is that that's actually what can intimidate people about Agile and, you know, particularly once you start talking about Scrum and these kind of frameworks and there's project managers and Scrum masters and it's like, what are you talking about? So sometimes too much of that language in one go can be uh, too much and I wouldn't necessarily say that that's the way to go about it, but there's definitely core elements of the mindset um, that I think really resonates and that's essentially what we're trying to do in the book but also... I think so there's a lot of organizations now for lots of different reasons talking about going agile and this could be that they are a traditional bank and their whole market has transformed and there's fintechs now undermining you know their market share people aren't necessarily going to a bank anymore in physical form things need to be online so they need to rapidly respond to that challenge um but a but there's no use sort of saying, oh, we're going agile and to, you've got to sort of translate it to the vision, the purpose and the problem you're trying to solve. Uh, a good friend of mine says there's no reason to go agile if you don't know what you're trying to solve uh, with it. And so I think it's also good to think about how do you talk about that? So, And that's relevant for the business, but also in HR. So what problems are we trying to solve by embracing agile mindset? And then those tools and things like self-organizing teams and prioritization, they will mean more things because it will be about the problems that we're trying to fix. And um, so I think that's also a way of trying to access the topic a bit better as well. So it's talking about the mindset rather than the framework again. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about agile loads, um, but there's a book and it's bright yellow. <laughs> um, and so... I just really interesting for the, for the leads out there, it, 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 the listeners out there. If they're thinking about um, reading your book, what's a, one one of the favourite parts of your book? What what's can you share a bit of insight about one of the best bits that you really like about it? Yeah, there is uh, one in particular, and then sort of two that I'll probably mention. But one in particular because it is the most accessible, and it's also probably where you should start if you haven't done any Agile before. And it's also linked to the idea of building great employee experience, which often gets HR people quite excited. So, and that's, there's a, a chapter called co-creation and this is about bringing in design thinking techniques and mixed with Agile mindset to, first of all, understand the problem you're trying to solve, but then quickly prototype uh, experiment and test solutions before you then actually build them and, and deliver them across the business. And this also has techniques in there such as understanding the employee experience. So what is the, you know, and have empathy for your, your people. So 
you potentially create some personas of the, some of the employees you have and some of the, you look at the problems that they're, they're, they're kind of encountering about the topic you might be looking at. And then you start to look at what some moments that matter and moments to matter are about how do you truly kind of engage someone in their job? And this is key moments in their job that if you don't get them right, often people leave. Uh, but if you get them right, they truly become, you know, they give you some of the best work ever and they often become a very loyal employee. And that's not necessarily that they stay forever, but it's that they, it, you know, they advocate the brand, they represent what you're about. And so there's, a, and what we've done is in the book is sort of given you what this, what, how the business uses these tools and why these tools exist first. And then in the co-creation chapter, we then go, all right, now let's look at how you can use it in HR. So it's a really nice template and there's lots of tools that you can go and use in the business and it helps you run something that I call a design sprint. So this is something you can do even just over a matter of a few days. And this is even if nothing else you do is agile kind of around it, if you go and run a little design sprint to kind of work out a problem, prototype and test something, and then have a better idea of what is going to work for your people and how to deliver it, you know, not a problem. It's just me. Even if you go and do it in waterfall style, it will be so much better than what you've done before. So I, I think that's probably my one of my favorites. Um, the other one is a chapter around value and prioritization. And I get quite passionate about how does HR d demonstrate value? And this goes into that and also talks, it talks a business language that I think uh, HR professionals sometimes need to get a little bit better at. And it helps a HR professional go, all right, if I'm solving a problem, okay, what's the value to my employee, but also what's the value through to the end customer of our business? And then how is it impacting business bottom line? And those three areas is what we should always be assessing. Because um, sometimes we create processes and systems that we think is helping the employee, but it's actually maybe even blocking work that's going through to the end customer or it's an add-on or it's so everything we do needs to be about how do we help people be really good in their job so they can then deliver value to that end customer. And so I think it's, it helps HR people understand where they fit in all of that. So, yeah. That's fantastic. And and um, as you know, I know, mine is on order. It's coming. <laughs> I'll be straight on it when it arrives. Um, so I just got a couple more questions before we finish off for today. Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned this is, is part of your book um, about, um, so, okay, I'm interested in Agile HR. It sounds amazing. But how do I start? Yeah. What's the first thing you would recommend? I think it's understanding that you can prototype anything. <laughs> so it, and it doesn't matter if you're not doing anything else that's agile uh, as such. It's that, so I often say, you know, you could walk down the corridor or you could have a, a few Zoom calls now <laughs> in the, our current situation. And there's maybe a piece of communication or something that you're about to send out across the organization go and, you know, talk to five people and see what they say about it. Um, so a classic one is a learning and development team. They were doing some work for graduates. They thought of this great word, you know, to describe the program and what they're going to do. They went and spoke to five graduates just to see what they thought before they did. And the graduates hated it. They thought it was a stupid word and it meant nothing to them. And so I think it, it helps HR 
you know, break out of, of our world and understand that language needs to be very much in the way that people talk in the business. And, uh, you know, another great example um, is a, a team that were rede redesigning management development and, you know, why, why didn't managers want to come to these two-day programs that were running? Because they say they want to be developed, but actually they went and did some user research and they discovered that managers talked about problems they needed to solve, not skills they needed to develop as such. So, oh, I've got to give someone feedback tomorrow. I don't know how to do it. You know, I need help to solve this, this problem here and now. And but they also didn't say, oh, I need to develop the competency of blah, blah, blah. Um, so they realized if they started to create learning opportunities that were much more real time, much more sort of bite size that people could go to when they had that problem, then suddenly the engagement with learning overall was so much better. And but what I find fascinating about that example is that what was, you know, it was about that they started to put it in the language that the managers were using, not what HR was using. And I think that's what we have to do a lot in our profession is perhaps let go of a lot of the language and the frameworks and the structures that we've got. Um, I've, you know, loved them over the years as well, but we just need to, you know, put it into words that our people understand. Um, and the only way to know that is you have to test it and test it very early on. And if you go and speak to those five people and they all say, no, nah, I don't know what you're talking about that, you know, please don't, you know, if you send that out, oh no, I won't know what you mean. Then yeah, go and, and then ask them, well, okay, how would you say it? Um, and you'll then send out this piece of communication that will be so much more successful. Um, so you could do that in your job on a day-to-day -day level um, as of today. So, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you and it sounds, in some ways, it sounds revolutionary to the way some HR departments work that I've known. Um, but also, it, it, I was just thinking, if you're a biscuit manufacturer, you would never launch a biscuit brand before getting a customer to taste a biscuit. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's, therefore, it sounds so obvious when you do that, we should be doing it. So it's, Yes. Um, I know it's that's the thing is that it sounds so obvious once you start talking about it and there's whole reasons why we haven't necessarily worked in this way you've made me think of another example um a senior hr um you know professional of many years and she started to work agile more she also started to work with agile teams and she was writing a job description um and uh she realized that the job descriptions that she has written up until then she tested it with the senior stakeholder, but she never actually went to the person that was doing the job and said, well, does this describe what you're doing? And when she did do that, it was such a different experience. And it's also a very different outcome of what was needed in that job description. And, and this is where we've got to go because things like job descriptions and managed pathway, career pathways and you know, a lot of these structures that we've built competency frameworks, I'm not saying that we chuck them out overnight, but we all know that we need to move beyond them a lot because they're, a bit, they're too static for where we're going now in the future of work. And if you want to start evolving people practices to be much more dynamic and real time and more attuned to what people need, the only way I think is to test the biscuit before you release the biscuit. I love the fact you just used my analogy. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I was um, going to link it to having a cup of tea, but that just was going a bit too far. <laughs> we, I, I'm loving this conversation. Unfortunately, we're we're running out of time for today's podcast, and so my my final. I could really talk about this all day, but my final question is. 
if there was going to be one takeaway you wanted our listeners to think about, act on, reflect on, what would that one last thought be that you wanted to pass on? Well, it's an interesting one. I actually, this is my new one that I always leave with uh, of of late uh, because it's been revolutionary for me <laughs> more recently. So this is something called personal Kanban. And there, so you've, people may have heard about Kanban. It's ultimately uh, just a, a tool to visualize your work. And it's uh, about having sort of, you know, a couple of columns, you know, this backlog to do, doing, done. Uh, but what Kanban is all about is helping you limit work in progress. And it's saying, so you've got these list of things and you can do this with your to-do list, you know, not just your huge project, but, you know, what am I doing today and what's in my list and what's the most important thing to work on first, you know, and so you put that in your to-do. Now, Limiting work in progress says that you should only ever have, say, three or six things in that column and something has to move out of working in progress and going into done before you can move something else in. And it is amazing that the amount of things that you think you can get done in a day, uh, particularly in the world of a pandemic, um, is, uh, yeah, it's a bit amazing. And, um, and things that you think are going to not be too long, take a lot of time. And also we often... Uh, underestimate, you know, what else is going on in our lives. And I think that's really coming home while we're all at home working. Uh, so kids, you know, dogs, uh, <laughs> um, just being in the working, you know, work environment, being in home. So you're seeing that connection. So your personal Kanban can help you manage your time overall, as well as not just your work tasks. And there's a few people out there that you know, uh, are actually advocates of this and have talked about this as a, as a method. But it's been actually really eye-opening for me. And I use Kanban and, and Scrum and things in my work with teams, of course, and running projects. But to do it just on a very personal level has is really good. So that's where I would say to start. And that's great because I was presuming if you get used to doing that at a personal level, then you can extrapolate that out to your team definitely yeah and like I've always had my Kanban board but I was very bad at limiting working but you know I you know sometimes you advocate these things and you don't necessarily always do it very well yourself and when I'm working with others I was much more disciplined but actually to be disciplined on your own time and and be realistic so there's someone that talks a lot about this that I read and he talks about that you know, in this today's world, you know, the demands of a capitalist system, the demands of wanting to do things with your life, you know, have personal balance, well-being, as well as achieve great things in your job and then, you know, and then have some children and all this kind of stuff as well. You're just never going to get all the stuff done that you would like to. Um, so some of these techniques help you feel a little bit better about the fact that there's a bunch of stuff that you're never going to get to. Because if you've got it in the list and you realise that that's not the most important thing of where to spend your time at the moment, then you kind of feel a bit okay about it. Um, and But if you then see one thing move over to that done column, you're like, yay, at least I got one major thing done today and that's good. Because <laughs> Agile is about doing, there's the, one of the mindset is doing one thing well and then moving on to the next. So, you know, what is the most valuable thing, if you think about it, to deliver to your customer and get it out? And, and this, if you think about what we're doing in our lives, but also in our organizations, we've got so many projects going and we're just, 
with you know the our people's talent is just spread across so many things at the one time and hr's been notorious at this you know we've we often have single topic owners i look after talent you look after learning someone else looks after recruitment we'd all have to ask each other to help with the projects that we're running and so all our time is spread across multiple things where actually if we focus on solving the biggest pain point first get enough value out on that it's not actually even sometimes doing everything in that area it's about delivering value and going yep we've realized some great value here now let's move on to the next thing and that way of working you start to build impact and that can I think revolutionize our profession and also how we just work generally. Which is a, a fantastic last <laughs> point. And, and we're recording this on a Friday and I'm going to commit to uh, a, a limiting work in progress kind of working next week and we're going to see what happens. So I'll report cool. back to you. So, <laughs> Excellent. Natal, it's been amazing talking to you. Um, your energy is just uh, fantastic. I literally could carry on for the rest of the day, <laughs> but the listeners need to go and do other things. So thanks ever so much for your time and being with us today on Tap Talks HR. Thank you. No worries. And, and that's it for now, everyone. Uh, you can find out more about HR topics at our website, tapsolutions.com, or by following both me or Natal on social media. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. Bye. Bye.